that's a disaster. I mean, like, honestly, it, it's not actually, it's just technology is kind of a disaster. Um, yeah. So, like, a lot of parents took today off because they were hoping that they'd be able to, like, you know, get their kids set up and then come back, go back to work tomorrow, and their kids would be ready to go. Um, and, you know, technology is great when it feels like working, but it did not feel like working today. Like, there mm. were a lot of people who... Uh, couldn't connect to our online stuff. So it wasn't as big a problem in junior high. That's where we're kind of lucky. You know, uh, in the seventh and eighth grade, I think we've got between the four classes, we've got like five kids who are new to our school. And so almost all of them have at least a little bit of familiarity with the programs we use and everything. Um, They just lose their passwords every 30 seconds or so but other than that they've got it under control okay okay yeah it's been weird with uh with brooklyn like their school actually has it pretty well organized like she's on a pretty good schedule like a pretty Mm -hmm. set schedule so Kristen's able to work and help her and do all the things online um but it's it's just hard because there's so many different things that you're working on, you know, again, yeah. I'm, I'm focused on work, so I don't have to put up with all of it, but Kristen's doing <laughs> both. So it's, uh, you know, kudos to her, but I mean, it, it's managing her job plus all of the random things that have to come up for her. Plus, you know, like online schooling is really, it's like three hours a day at most, yeah. you know? So we're like yeah, three hours isn't really enough. You need to do some more, you know? So, Kristen's been having to add on things to try to make it an actual full day's worth of schooling. So, yeah, which is tough. Like on the school side of things, like the reason why schools are aiming for that three hour range is because, you know, like according to a lot of studies, that's basically the maximum amount of time that a kid can with any kind of uh, healthy approach be staring at a screen. Mm, That makes a lot of sense. And so for the older kids, you know, we kind of balance it out because we can do, you know, about that three hours, give or take, plus books. them yeah. being in front of the screen talking to us. But then, yeah, you know, books or some kind of an assignment or something like that that they do on paper and, you know, get away from the screen to do it and then come back to us the next day and we can go over it. Um, but, yeah, with the little kids, it it's yeah. real rough. And again, like. So part of the problem for our school is that so many of the families had to borrow technology from us, Mm -hmm. which is not a problem in and of itself, but it means they're not um, familiar with it. They're they're not familiar with it. And we had to do kind of a mad rush to get. So basically it's like fourth grade up are using Chromebooks and four and third grade down are using the iPads, because, you know, our, our school um, is getting a lot more technology now, but okay. we've kind of had this hodgepodge mix of what we've got, and so to try and keep it standardized, we're doing that. But that meant that for the little kids, there were all these programs that had to get downloaded onto the iPads, mm-hmm. and the parents were coming through rapid fire to get those things, and it takes a little while, so a bunch of them we're being given the uh, iPads and being told, okay, look, as soon as you get home, 
plug it into the wall, get the charger going, and hook it up to the uh, Wi-Fi because it needs to finish downloading this program. And some of them did, and some of them didn't. And like yeah. it wasn't like they were it, trying to be a pain. It was they didn't understand no. what they meant because they're not used to the devices and all of this kind of stuff. Yeah. And of course, you know, it's they're using new programs and so the new programs aren't always getting along with the firewall and security software on our devices. Yep. Uh, and you can't figure that stuff out until people are trying to use it. Unfortunately, yeah. when you've got like 300 people trying to use it at once, yeah, there yeah. can be a lot of headaches. Yeah, you're a lot more forgiving than us. Kristen's been like, there's parents who literally cannot follow the most basic instructions on where to <laughs> save a file. They're like, these are kindergartners, so you know their parents are the ones doing it. And they still show up to the wrong meetings, mm-hmm. um, go to all the, like, save everything in the wrong place. And she's like, I I don't know. I don't get it. And I was like, I I don't either. <laughs> I don't I don't either. But yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of one of those things where it's like partially because I work at the school, it's like I need to intentionally be very forgiving because yeah. like I the the worst thing I could do is get super frustrated, like at parents in general, and then find myself having to talk to one. And like, I'm short on patience and all of this. And yeah, all of a sudden I'm snapping at someone who legitimately is running on like two hours of sleep. And the reason they were having a hard time following directions is because they're working the night shift to like feed their yep. kids and stuff. It's like, oh, now I'm now I'm the jerk. OK, yeah. you yeah, kind of need to that's... operate on the default of grace. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Exactly. See, I, I'm a parent. not that it would be a bad idea, idea for talk. all of us to do it. But yeah. yeah, no, it's it's a job survival thing for me that I have to. Yeah, yeah. I get the benefit of sitting back here and talking trash about everybody else. That's right. Armchair quarterback, baby. It's the (laughs) only kind of quarterback I can play. Uh, Welcome to the podcast, everybody. We're here for some uh, delicious beverages and meaningful conversation. Have you uh, had any good beverages lately? You know, um, I was hoping it would be really good. Uh, So in two... There used to be this brewery down in Tucson that for a long time was pretty consistently voted as uh, nationally. So of the ones that kind of distributed, voted as the best or one of the best in Arizona, uh, Nimbus from down in Tucson. And then they went bankrupt. Okay. And they were bought out by this uh, company out of Illinois and... All of a sudden, some Nimbus stuff started appearing on shelves again, and I keep meaning to grab it and never had. But uh, this weekend, I grabbed a six pack of their blonde ale, Nimbus blonde ale, um, because I was going to be sitting out by the pool with a few friends. Sure. And a blonde ale sounded just about perfect. And theoretically, it should have been. But honestly, it was so it met some of the things you would expect, like it was really easy to drink. It was light. There was like certainly no heaviness to it. There was no uh, overpowering flavor, but it also it was just lacking some of the the crispness that you kind of expect from those really light colored beers. Okay, where there there was just no pop to it at all. It was just kind of it it was easy to drink, but I couldn't really come up with a reason why I should keep drinking it. It was sure just kind of it was there. 
So this is the one with the monkey head on all the pictures. It used to be, yeah. Something oh, about their rebrand. Uh, now it it was just like this plain kind of um, sort of copper job on it. Okay. Uh, no, re- no real artwork per se. No logo or anything like that. So it just kind of lost its spirit all around. It it seems like maybe I don't know. Um, mm. Apparently, so I was looking into it. Apparently, there's only a couple of the beers from Nimbus that are available in stores again now. And then there's one other that still has monkey in the name of it. I can't remember what it is, but like that's available on tap in some places in Tucson. And they're hoping to start distributing it soon. So part of me is hoping that it's just the initial relaunch. Like, okay, so starting to fire things up down in Tucson again. Okay, yeah, it so that. Like, they changed the name of it. It used to be called, like, Guerra Blonde or something like that um, okay. under the old label. And now it's just Nimbus Blonde Ale. And so I'm hoping that it's one of those things where they're just kind of finding their way back into it with some new people running the show and all of that, and that it'll come back. But right now, it's... Again, it wasn't bad, but you're not paying not bad prices. Like, you're... Mm. They're still charging, you know, uh, premium local microbrew kind of prices, and the quality of the beer just wasn't wasn't that. Right. See, that's the problem is that like if you're going to spend that kind of money, you you need the value proposition needs to make sense. Like I, I accidentally spent exactly. I ranted a long time ago that I spent like twenty three dollars on a four pack from Pure Project. Uh huh. Which you know, if you talk to anybody, Pure Project is like one of the best breweries. Like around like they're amazing Mm -hmm. and once we drink it you're like oh that's still more than i would like to spend but i get it right Right? that's a much different conversation than i don't know why i spent 23 dollars on this you know like this was not worth 23 dollars. that's a totally different experience exactly and it is it's and that was 100 percent the problem like if i had if this had been like a you know eight or nine dollar six pack uh it would have been fine. Sure. But it was okay. like on sale and still like 13 bucks. It's like, mm-hmm. ah, you know, I can't, mm-hmm. I, I can't justify that. Like it's not exorbitantly expensive, but it was, there was no benefit to me paying the extra money versus going with, you know, one of the sure. national beers, like a Shiner Bach or uh, something like that. Something in that sure. price range. Sure. Hmm. How about you, man? Anything interesting? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Super interesting, actually. So, Oh? Oh? Um, did we announce it on the podcast that we were doing another Beer with Throne? I think we had mentioned it, but we hadn't said anything about what it was. Okay. So. Because we, we were still another... waiting for Throne to make the initial announcement. Yes. So we made another Beer with Throne, which really means Throne made a beer and used our coffee. But I like to feel like I'm included <laughs> no, in this I, process. I, I like your initial phrasing. Your initial <laughs> phrasing is better. Um, and it is a golden coffee stout. And it is weird and good. Um, because I like... So Freakin had, has had a, a golden stout recipe for a long time, right? And then Throne bought Freakin. Yeah. And so now they kind of have that... that golden stout recipe in there 
And it's weird because you look at it and it's yellow, but then you drink oh, yeah. it and it tastes black. Like it doesn't it doesn't make sense. I don't know how they get it to taste like that, but you know, like I thought that the black and the dark flavors came from um uh roasting the malts, you know, but it's yeah. yellow. So I don't know how you would have Unless just a little bit of roasted malt goes a long way, you know, or something. I don't, I don't know, but it, it, it looks yellow. It tastes black and it's because it's kind of yellow. It doesn't have like the all roasty flavor. So it's more of like a caramely malt with like a dark, um, not like a caramely malt, but with like a lighter chocolatey note to it. So I almost said like, if you took white chocolate, white chocolate and caramel and kind of mixed it together. Um, Okay. And then it's got a coffee. Then it's got a coffee note to it because they used our coffee in it. Yeah. And then it's just got some pretty straightforward hot bitterness to just kind of balance it out back towards beer and not towards uh fizzy latte, you know? And right. uh it's it's sweet, it's kind of creamy, it's got enough bitterness to hold it down. And it's again, it's another big one. It's like eight point nine percent. Um and I don't remember the rest of it, but so you know it's a little boozy and really, really good. Like I, nice. Uh, man. They didn't have any like the smaller cans, so I have I bought three crowlers of it. So I got the big cans. Um, okay. So I'm holding on to one. Um, I got two of them, but you know I'm not gonna put any promises on it. I'm not gonna lie to you. No, no, I, I hear you, man. <laughs> well, I was, I was gonna say actually, like so, um, so are they set up? Are they doing the uh? the growler like if i have my my jug and yes. i bring it down to them yep. okay yeah, it's, it's good. tapped they're, they're at both. for that yep it's they're tapped um uh, at least glendale is definitely tapped with the coffee side it was a small batch so it wasn't like all of them you know um, right so and they were out of cans when i was there or, or i would have gotten the smaller cans so i would have had more of them but they uh uh yeah you can definitely do a crowler growler uh, if they have the smaller cans, you can they they just can them right there for you, you know. Yeah. Um, so it's. And when you say the Glendale one, that's the one we used to the where our pop up was. Correct. And yep. Someday shall again be the sixty seventh and Bell. Uh, Bell just basically? north of Bell. Okay. Yep. Cool. Yep. Um, so yeah. Definitely... I'll probably. I'm gonna have to get out there pretty quick then. If it's a small batch, I want to make sure I get some of that. Yeah, and like I said, I will hold on to one for as long as I possibly can. So I appreciate uh, it, man, but I'm, I, sh- I don't want to test. I should you be either, able so. to. <laughs> um, and Kristen liked it too. So like, cause the, it's 32 ounces in that crowler. So uh, it's, yeah. You know, I told her, I was like, look, if we open this thing, like you're going to have to drink a full glass. Cause normally we drink like one 16 ounce beer is like enough for us. So like she takes, you know, three or four sips drinks out of it, depending right. on if she likes it or not. And it's enough to just kind of, scratch the itch for both of us but i'm like this is a lot like i can't i can't do this by myself so you're gonna have to drink i can't have mine and yours like that's not a thing this time it's it's too much it's too much so (laughs) but no she she handled it it was she liked it like i said it's it's a little bit sweeter than our last one uh a little bit more caramely than the than the dark you know dark dark um chocolate type of a thing so it's uh it's good, man. I really like it. And I'm really excited to to work with Throne. Like, you know, he's like, hey, we want to do a coffee. He, How much coffee do you need? 
this sent him an invoice. He paid it in like five minutes. I had the coffee to him the next couple of days. You know, like I, like nice, I wanted man. to make sure that it's a keep that good business relationship. simple. Yeah, yeah. And I just, I really like him down there. When I went down there to get the cans, you know, we saw I saw Stephanie who was the opener when we were doing our pop up mm-hmm. all the time, and I was like, man, I miss these guys. Like I, I liked yep. Stephanie and Carlos. Like I liked talking to them. They were good people, and so I. I can't wait to get back there and and I encourage everybody that if you're in the North Valley area, you know, to support them, help them get back on their feet. I mean, they're they're doing yeah. they're doing okay, but I mean, this COVID crap uh, hit the Yeah, it's rough. That no one no one is like tearing it up right now. Right. You know? Yeah. It's it, he said it's going he said business is getting better, but it's very up and down. You know, they'll yeah. have a good night and then they'll have nothing. So it it's it's still hard on the independent restaurants, so if you have coffee shops, breweries, restaurants that you like, get to go food or something if you can. You know, like just yeah, we don't want to have some sterile society afterwards where there's nothing but yeah. Chains we don't need to go and... back to Phoenix being nothing but chains. No, oh, I don't want to go back there. All right, you ready to get into this, man? Let's do it, man. All right, so we've been working through the four loves. Uh, indeed, from... indeed. C.S. Lewis, he wrote a book called The Four Loves, and just we had talked about it, and we uh, thought it would be worth going through them because it, well, there's a lot of benefit to understanding it broken down this way, and we've already, we've gone through Philia, right, and Eros, and so uh, AJ summed it up, and that when we hit Agape, that's kind of the closer, like you don't, you don't really cap or, you know. You're not going to outdo it. It's really hard to like, exactly. It's really hard to uh, do agape and then come in and talk about anything else because everything else ends up kind of feeling. It's like the summation of all of them I don't know how else to say it. It, Everything else feels kind of lesser compared to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. I agree. Um, And so the last one that we have is the one that I have no idea how to pronounce because it's spelled like storage. Um, but I'm pretty sure it's Storge. Yeah, that, that's how that, that's how I've always understood to pronounce it. Storge. But, yeah, but, but that my knowledge of Greek at the is end. super limited. So yeah. okay, so we're gonna say Storge because uh, it sounds more Greek. And we're gonna just do it with confidence. Yes. And you're all gonna pretend you haven't heard us waffling about it right now. <laughs> it's gonna be great. We're all in this together now. Um, and so when that. I when I was reading in on this, then this one was hard for me to to really grasp because we almost directly translate it to family love. Um, and it's not necessarily um, just like blood relatives like that because you're blood, you have this storge love in place. So it's a little bit, it's a little bit different in that there's um, you know, we'll get into the definition a little bit, but I, I think when I was looking back through it, the, place where I really learned on this whole like need and love and giving and familiar culture, like all this stuff kind of wrapped up that we do in family was actually when I kind of started my family. Right. And so we, me and Kristen had been married for like three years before we had kids. And so we thought we were pretty, I, I shouldn't speak for her. She was probably in a much different place than I was. Uh, <laughs> probably a better place if I'm, if I'm not, <laughs> If I'm not being honest here, uh, but you know, so had an understand like we've been going to church, like we have, uh, 
um, marriage. So I feel like I had like a pretty well-rounded understanding of a lot of these things. And I have parents mm-hmm. and family, a good family. So I feel like I have this understanding of that as well. And then when we were pregnant, it was kind of a weird story. It was one of those things where Kristen didn't know she was pregnant until the doctor was like, you need to call me right now. And she's like, oh, my God, what's wrong with me? And she's like, oh, I just didn't want you to go like binge drinking tonight because you're pregnant. And she goes, what? (laughs) (laughs) And and I'm sure on a couple of levels, like (laughs) I'm sure my story is. Why did you assume I was just exactly binge drinking? I don't know. Maybe she looked like some wild and crazy girl. Um, so, so uh we went and had our ultrasound and there was like this really crazy moment in which you know when we saw um so we had our baby boy we lost him first but and so it was him when we saw his heartbeat like something there was something different like there was a there was a next level that I didn't know I had like I was running with a governor and then God just kind of took the governor off when I saw that heartbeat. And I was like, holy crap, we can open this thing up. There's a whole lot more love to go. And uh, and that that's really where I saw it because there was, you know, he hadn't done anything. You know, all he was doing was being, you know, he hadn't done yeah. anything to earn love. Um, he was definitely dependent on us, you know, in every way, shape or form being that small. Um you know, and so there was that kind of started to open that up, idea up. And then as I progressed into my other girls uh, or my other girls, my girls, <laughs> they were very different like that, too, because like, um, you know, I hope Caitlin never listens to this. But like me and Caitlin struggled when we, we got started. Right. And yeah. she was one to where like it was necessary and, and there was no value. Like I was never going to give up on her, but we did struggle. Because she's a screamer yeah. and screaming shuts me down. Uh, like I, I can't handle it. And so there was a point in which we actually had to almost reestablish our, our relationship a little bit um, because there was like a period of time that was really bad. Like she was really unhappy a lot and I was really unhappy a lot. Not again, not that I was ever giving up on her or, or anything changed in me, which was kind of impressive because I would have not held on to anybody else predicted handling that yeah yeah i I mean there if anybody else in the world would have treated me that way they would not still be in my life but you know i was never going to give up on her and so like this that kind of has created this framework on what how i conceive storge and that it's something that came you know it's just purely from being and whether you Mm. scream and cry to made me miserable it didn't really change it um, it didn't change how much I was going to give, you know, type of a thing, um, because it was just who they are. And because they're part of my family and part of me, it, yeah. there's this deep, 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 deep love there. And so I think it's probably worth hitting more of a technical definition to try to work through some of my baggage there. But sure. I mean, so. Storge is also kind of this idea of like affection love or, you know, like you said, a lot of times we talk about it being that family love, but probably a better, although very similar word is the idea of like a familiar love. 
like this love that's born out of a familiarity, a relationship, a shared, uh, well, actually not out of a relationship, but like born out of a shared interest or history, you know, like there's some kind of experiences that you've had together, or there's some kind of a common background you've got that just sort of automatically breeds this feeling of fondness and affection. And so C.S. Lewis talked about it as being uh, the most natural, the most emotive, and the most widespread of the four loves. And like by widespread, we mean common. And it's the most natural because it just sort of happens. You know, like you said, is, when you, yeah. Yeah, when, when you saw your baby boy's heartbeat, like there was no thought process in your mind of like, right. yeah. I don't know, what if... What if this kid is kind of a jerk? Like, you you know, there wasn't any thought. It was like, oh, there's a heartbeat and I love this kid now. Like right. It just naturally arises out of us. Right, right. Um, and the it's like the most emotive because it just is by its definition this like strong fondness. You know, like you were talking about with, uh, with your youngest. Like, it was just sort of as much as... The screaming was not something you were fond of. It didn't change the fact that, you know, there was this dominant fondness there for her. Like, Correct. Not for what she was doing. That's right. a very different thing. But like you said, as much as that action and that screaming was annoying for you and like unbearable and like a shutdown thing. Because it was her. It didn't. You know, mm. like mm-hmm. you were. There was something about her that drew out this emotive, this emotional just latching on to out of fondness. Um, And Mm. it's widespread because since it is just born out of these sort of natural environments that we find ourselves in, it tends to kind of ignore the question of, you know, whether someone is lovable or worthy of love or anything like that. It's just again it's just something that sort of happens and so because it just sort of happens there aren't those discriminating factors there's not that like Mm -hmm. "Ah, i don't know if this is someone i want to love or it it's kind of less chosen really Hmm. that makes a lot of sense there yeah so does it apply to things like like i think of veterans um i'm thinking of like random like there's the people who are like in the trenches together who become like lifelong friends or like just like veterans who are like hey i was in the suck you were in the suck now we're friends and that's like the only thing that really like they instantly accept each other because of that shared experience or is it not really like like that i think it's exactly like that like yeah no i mean it's so they've got this like you said that it's still it's a natural thing. As soon as they find out that this is someone who has that experience, again, like you said, whether they were in the foxhole together or whether they just know that this is someone who was in a different foxhole, but really the same one, just in a different location. Right. Uh, like, so it's it's still just this natural thing that happens to them. There is just sort of this automatic shared fondness for each other, like born out of that shared experience. And it's still, again, like it's when you're looking at it, doesn't matter uh, 
which battle or which conflict or any of those kinds of things. It, it ignores all those kind of discriminating factors. And right. It's just there because here's someone who I understand in a way that a lot of people who probably generally know them better can't and mm-hmm. like vice versa for me. You know, okay. uh, on a on a less extreme version, it's even kind of, um, you know, we we were a little bit dismissive when we were talking in Philia, like about the idea of work friends, right? Uh, but like on a very kind of basic surface level, that that is here too. You know, like so when you and so everyone has worked for a bad boss. Mm-hmm. If you've had if you've had more than one job. You've had at least one bad boss. Like, it's just kind of the way it goes. Um, And so there is just sort of this uh, kind of fraternity type feeling to that where, Mm, you know what? mm -hmm. In a lot of ways, you drive me nuts. But right now we're in this together. Like, and right. um, Or, you know, think on. I don't know if you ever talk to people from high school. Like, I'm not super close with anyone who I went to high school with at this point. But when we do kind of cross paths every now and then, um, we're yeah, just sort of shaming. instantly yeah. talking about you're you're instantly going back to that because that's the shared experience, and so you've got this kind of uh, there you're in the trenches together, love and fondness. <laughs> yeah, exactly. In, in high school, or whether right. you're an Arizona sports fan, or whatever <laughs> yes. it is, like you were in the trenches, and so now when we're out of the trenches, we have this fondness because we both went through it. Uh, you know, we both went through it. Interesting. I like that. Yeah. And so again, like there, like anything else, there's differing degrees of it. Like I, I'm not sure. Sure. I, I certainly don't want to even casually imply the idea that, uh, me and my buddy is talking about, you know, uh, AP, uh, history <laughs> class puts us on the same level as, you know, uh, a couple of guys who were in the foxholes and in the trenches in world <laughs> right. war one or anything like that. Like right. it's not the same. It's not the same. Okay. So this is where I think I need more clarification too, is this all makes sense to me. So shared experience, uh, family has a very shared experience. Obviously you share genetics. So like you're going to share everything. There's familiar Mm -hmm. family, all of that stuff makes sense. But then he talks a lot about it being a, a need love. Mm -hmm. And that's the part that seems contrary to shared experience or familiar with someone now we're talking about like need like my people at work or my fellow Suns fans who are sad because we missed by like one game like there's no need in that scenario uh, and so reconciling it's been hard for it's me. not a it's not a strong need it's not a strong need in some of those but like there is still something there like the reason why we're drawn to these people who have shared interests and shared experiences is because on a certain level, like we need to know that there's somebody else who gets it. You know Mm. what I mean? We need to know that there's someone who can appreciate what it is we're talking about and what we're going through. That I'm not alone. Yeah, exactly. And that desire to give it and share it. Cause it is, it's gotta be both of those things. Like, uh, one right. of the things he's really clear on is that you need both the need. Uh, wow. So that gets really complicated if I phrase it that way. So two of the requirements in this concept of Storge is that there has to be both the need, 
love and also the gift love, which in a lot of ways kind of feel like they're opposed to each other. Um, right. But it's, well, but see, it's that's more. I... Go ahead. Yeah. No, I was going to say, it makes so much sense to me in the parent child relationship. Mm-hmm. My kid needs me for survival. Right. And I give just purely give. And so there is a need and a give there in that dynamic. And so that makes like there's no, you know, oddly, I mean, I guess if I was back in plowing fields and having, you know, boys or something, there would be a benefit (laughs) to it. But there's no real benefit to me giving this love like there's no selfish motivation, really. Right. In the way that we give to kids that i can think of i mean i'm sure you can corrupt it and manipulate it but for the most part you know there's a need from the kid and a give from the parents and so that again makes sense to me in that situation but i I still have a hard time reconciling it outside of that relationship well so when we're talking about this need and gift thing you know they they seem like they're they're opposites and yeah you know what in the the parent child one you're right in a lot of ways it's kind of one direction. all one yeah. or the other, right. you know? Um, but in a lot of the relationships, it's kind of, in a lot of the relationships, it's going to be kind of both, you know? So like when we talk about a familial relationship, we're not just talking about parent and child, you know, we're cousins, right? There are, there are some times where you have needed something from me that I was happy to give and vice versa. You know what I mean? Like, so it can be both. But ultimately, while they're on opposite ends to a certain extent, they're in on opposite ends in the same way as like a well-balanced scale. Like there's a tension there that keeps them in harmony mm-hmm. rather than them being like opposites that are fighting against each other. When it's okay, when it when it's right. You know what okay. I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. I like so, where you're going. And so, you know, and, and even in the parent-child relationship, so, yeah, your daughter is right now at, like, five and under. Absolutely. They they need more from you now than they will later. You know what I mean? Um, they're more dependent on you now, more obviously dependent on you now than they will be later. Um, but that shifts. And so the amount that they need... And then their ability to give back, like, again, not out of a mm. sense of obligation or being owed, but they right. have just because they Giving can gifts. and they desire to do it, too. Because one of the greatest feelings is when you are able to do something for someone out of love, not because you have to or not because you're obligated, but right. just because, like, I can and I know this will help them and I want to do it. You know, like, so when your oldest is able Mm. to drive and is taking your youngest to places to give you and uh, Kristen a break from having to to be the lone carpool or the lone driver, the chauffeur, you know, that it's not a massive thing and it doesn't like completely offset the balance of you providing a place to live and food to eat or anything like that. Like it's not, it's not a 50, 50 split okay. here, but you've moved more away from the gift and into some of the, the need and some of the receiving the and they're moving further away from the need and like at different times in life, you know, and it's not like it's a straight line. Cause there'll also be, you know, 
hopefully it's way, way down the road, but eventually there's going to be some little boy who your daughter is head over heels for who is going to turn out to be a clown. Mm -hmm. Maybe not even maliciously, but just because all boys are clowns at some point. Mm -hmm. Uh, And like, she might need you or your wife more than than she does when she's like nine or ten years old. You know, who knows? So it's not like it's this constant thing, but uh, there is kind of this tensioning balance there between those two, the need and the gift. That makes so much more sense. Imagery Um, is key, man. Imagery is key. No, it really is. I've got to have that picture in my head or else I'm just going to stare at words for a year and a half. Yeah, because, like, I remember, like, the I also had, like, a change in my life, too, once. Um, so I I was poor for a while, like, really poor. Mm-hmm. And eventually I had to eat my pride because uh, I was that hungry. And <laughs> and I, I That's had... such a great phrasing. <laughs> I don't mean to interrupt and distract, but no. that phrase just tickled me. <laughs> but I had to learn to let people bless me um Mm -hmm. and it sounds weird because they might you know we grew up not wanting to owe anybody anything right freedom came from not owing anyone um but blessings aren't always you know debts you know sometimes you can just give out of love and there's nothing tied to it and that was a hard lesson to learn it and that that makes a lot of sense because there's there's giving like you said and receiving and it's kind of a there was a time in which I had a need and there was people that showed up and blessed me at that point. And there'll be people who have a need and I will hopefully be able to return the favor. And yeah. that parent child dynamic is just the most clear cut. Like we've said in each love, there seems to be kind of this one example that makes it the most extreme, the most clear. And when yeah, you say the shining a, example, yeah, there's a need a child needs, right? food to live and they can't mm-hmm. get it on their own um even though i wish my kid would get a job she's not <laughs> able to be hired yet um and then there's a gift because like me giving to them is just a it's a gift it really is because they can't earn it there's you know there's nothing they can really do to earn what they get from their parents and that's again why these are such good models for christ there's nothing that we're going to earn to do to earn that love it's a gift to us right and so we have to learn to receive that and because we have a need for it and all those things all wrap up in a nice little bow like that boom my head is exploding right now i'm nice really digging it and that ties right into too what uh c.s lewis points out as being kind of the inherent danger in uh storge is this idea that like because it is so natural, there can be this tendency to take it for granted, to feel like it's something mm-hmm. that owed to you. And so it can shift really easy, easily into this idea of like a jealous, jealousy, a selfishness, or from the giving side, like a smothering. You know, um, mm-hmm. we, we've all seen the, those parents who like can't adjust to the fact that their kids are needing a little bit less now. And so they're like just so over the top and, you know, again, not coming from a bad place, but now it's almost like their giving has become a need 
they need to feel needed mm-hmm. by their child. And so that becomes right. this kind of distortion in the relationship. Right. Um, Ooh, that's for, so good. The, uh, more reasons why you balance all four loves, because if you yes. are only dependent on this one love for your value, then as you retire and as your kids go on, like, mm-hmm. you need to have your strong Eros, your Agape, your Philia. Like, you need to have these other relationships in place. I mean, your story, your family is never going to go away. But like you just said, the needs and stuff change. It changes. Yeah, exactly. We've seen divorce happens the most once the kids leave. Oh, yeah. Because because they didn't build that relationship throughout that time. And so. Yeah, um, they had nothing to say to oh, each other if they weren't about the kids. That's and like, super interesting. And, and it's also, you know, on the other side, too, like, you've got to be careful making sure that, like, uh, so, like, for example, with you, when you got the one girl and then a second one comes along, mm-hmm. like, making sure that to try and help keep your your older daughter mm-hmm. from becoming jealous, you know, like, yeah, no, 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 mom and dad still love you and we're still here for you. But right now, she's a baby. She needs everything all the time. And so, yeah, it changes Mm -hmm. our dynamic and how this is going to look and how this is going to work for us. But the love is still there. And so, you know, on both sides, there's this tremendous balancing act that has to happen. You know, for the one who needs they need to recognize that like what they're receiving is a gift, something to be received mm-hmm. with gratitude and not something that they're owed. <laughs> and right. on the giving side, you know, like understanding that you're, you're giving for their benefit, not for yours. Right. Uh, right. And so like, mm, that's a good point. And, and I feel like those two things are kind of, the the counterbalance the counterweights needed to keep from it falling into that jealousy selfishness and smothering that can go yeah 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 we've wrapped it up the way that we balance it is so like yeah we've kind of instituted the word respect and Mm. so like manners is one of the big things that we push because manners show respect for what's being done and so it's like you know we don't we don't work for you, you know, like we don't just do this because we owe it to you. You know, this mm-hmm. is a gift to you and you use manners to show the respect for that gift type of a Absolutely. thing. And so that's how that makes, man, I, I am just like, I'm really, that rocked my world. This whole balancing thing. Um, huh, life lesson. <laughs> Go, man, because I'm struggling. I got nothing. All right, I'm no worries, like, man. I'm, I'm like mulling on it, man. My brain is, is going so so i think uh my life lesson on this one if i was going to wrap it up is to remember that we're on both sides of the relationship in story game mm-hmm. like in mm-hmm. you know we've got more than one and so in some relationships you know we're going to be more on the need side and on others we're going to be more on the gift side the giving um and in each of these relationships they're going to shift and so you don't want to define the relationship based on which one of those it is. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like the relationship is there and it's got to be defined by that, uh, natural affection and fondness and by that desire to, uh, be with and grow closer to this person. 
and then the form that takes we've got to be kind of flexible on like which one it which one is needed at this point mm. and so I know for me, I'm someone who generally likes things really well structured and I like defined boundaries and I like to know a defined role in relationships and things. But like if it's going to be healthy long term, there has to be an awareness of the roles, but you can't be too locked into one definition on them. Yep. Yep. I like that. I think awareness is the key there, too. I think that's where... Ultimately, I was going to go with my life lesson. I was steering towards it is being aware of, like I said, when I was hungry, I was very aware that I was hungry and Mm. um, that my dynamic in these relationships changed. And to be able to be aware that this is a gift that someone's giving you um, and appreciating that and showing them that – is a big deal. You know, like I think you have to be aware of that because otherwise what will end up happening is you'll lose the respect for people and you'll start using them. So if you are pursuing relationship out of need, what will happen is you will, you'll use them or you'll smother them type of a thing. And so you have to have a good balance of gift and need in there and allowing people to bless you when you're in need and then blessing people when they're in need without any sense of debt or credit type of a thing. So yeah, um, the, it's crucial to not tie a string to it, I think. And, and that was the biggest oh, thing, good. biggest thing for me. So, um, man, this, that was really good. I'm, I think that's great, man. Like that, I think that, uh, I'm glad you didn't give your life lesson first because I would have been just stuck trying to like steal it and build on it. Cause now like I'm, I'm really chewing on that. I love that man. Like, because I think that is one of the big differences is that you've got, whether you're on the, the need side or the gift side, you're not keeping a checkbook on this. Like you're not right. trying to balance it out at the end. Right. You know, you're aware of where you're at in that situation and like you're grateful for the you're grateful for being able to receive or you're you're grateful for being in a position where you can be the one giving but like it's not about keeping track got to get oh man yep that's yep. awesome love this i this has been like one of my favorite series like i'm really really enjoying digging into the four loves it's been great man oh, you got anything else on your brain uh, lots, but it's all school related. And so I don't really want to get started because then this becomes a five hour podcast that no mm. one wants to listen to. Yep. I'll fall asleep. I'm not, <laughs> not because it's not interesting, but because it's getting close to my bedtime. So <laughs> that's fair, man. All right, everybody with that, we will say adieu. Hey everyone. Thanks again for listening to another Inkledew podcast. We hope you really enjoyed it. We really enjoyed making it. If you did enjoy it, please do us a favor and make sure to share it on all your own social media so that other people can find us and enjoy us as well. 